Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Awesome. Miss Karen, what are you doing sitting on the other side of church? I don't even know. Normally you sit over here, you change seats on me. Oh, you're with your friend? That's all right. That's good. That's good. Gee, I see you. I haven't been, I've been missing you at the gym, man. Where have you been? You coming back? I know you just had a baby. I know. I know. I know all of that. I know all of that. It's so good to see people. Steve and Kim, it's so good to see y'all. Oh, I'm sorry. It just feels like family reunion up in here, you know? It just feels good to be back. Can I have a good amen? amen. Come on. Good to see the Pattersons, Burke and Laura. Y'all are the best. We see your people all the time. I know I need to teach. I know I need to teach, but it's, I'm just having a moment. You know, as a pastor, you love people and spiritual family. It just means so much. Just love y'all, love y'all, love y'all. I guess I got to teach. All right, if you have your Bibles, have your Bible. We're in this series called What Does God Say? What Does God Say? How many of you know you can't really answer the question on what God says if you don't know the book right here? We got to get in the book. And I feel like my responsibility as your pastor is not to give you my opinion. It's not to give you my ideas. You could care less about my ideas, but what you're desperate for is the truth of God's word. Can I have a better amen? Come on, Jay, shout me, man. I need you, man. I need you right here. This is is my amen corner right here. I can always count on these first couple rows and specifically Jay. Man, I feel it, man. Okay, Jay, I'm gonna need you to help me today. Everybody say, God bless Jay. Jay is my amen corner. I love it. I love it. Last week, if you were here last week, did, didn't Marla do a fantastic job last week? Wow. That little red-headed firecracker, she, she's tiny. She's pint-sized, but man, she packed some power. She talked to us, what does God say about salvation and did such a fantastic job. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk to you about what does God say about himself uh, we're going to unpack the scriptures as it relates to who God is and what he does and, and why that's so important to us. And then in two weeks, everybody say two weeks. This should come with a warning label, but in two weeks, I'm going to talk about what does God say about sex? PG-13, okay? So moms and dads, uh, just to give you a heads up, talk to your children. If you feel like it's age appropriate and they're ready for that conversation, bring them. Uh, Otherwise, we do have other environments for your kids. But I'll tell you this, the world's talking about sex all the time. And if your kids only hear what the world is saying, but they don't hear what God says, how many of you know this is a topic that we need to talk about in church? So in two weeks, pray for for me too as I prepare for that one. How many of you would like to be me? (laughs) Okay, pray for your pastor. Yeah, so today I want to talk to you about what does God say about culture, culture, culture. If you're taking notes, write down the word culture. What is culture? When we say culture, that can be a little ambiguous. It's hard to define sometimes. You know, every country has a culture. Every region has a culture. There are communities that carry culture. In your home, do you know that your home has a culture? If you were today to invite me over for lunch, and let's say we're having steaks, 
I could be five, 10 minutes in your home and begin to pick up on the culture that you have created, what your values, what your beliefs, the, 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 the spirit in that place. Uh, you can sense that. Culture is not unique to anybody. All of us experience culture. In fact, when I moved, I'm not from Louisiana. Did you know that? I'm from the Midwest, okay? I'm from Missouri, the show me state. And my parents moved us down to Baton Rouge in, in the late 80s, 87, 88. And man, you guys, you, you Cajuns have some, a different culture down here. And I love it. I, you just adopted me into the Cajun family. I'm one of you now. I've been here over 30 years and I'm with you. I didn't know about crawfish until I got to Louisiana. How many know they're not eating crawfish in Missouri today? Mm-mm, man, you guys, you boil that stuff. See, in Missouri, they call them crawdads, and they use it as fish bait, okay? No, no, no. Here, they're mud bugs, and you boil them, and you eat them, and you pinch the tails, and you suck the heads. Come on, somebody. And you roll out newspaper, and you have potatoes and corn on a cob, and, man, you just you sit around the table, and you just, I mean, I love it. I love the culture of South Louisiana. I remember one of the first weeks I was here, my mom sent me to Piggly Wiggly. Y'all remember Piggly Wiggly? Y'all remember that place? I don't, I don't know if they have it anymore. I think you know, it's like Albertsons and Rouse's. But back in the day, Piggly Wiggly. And so I'm running some errands. I picked up a little grocery list. And I'm going through the checkout line. And the lady, I didn't even know her. The lady on the other side of the counter, she said, hey, baby doll. It's like, yeah, hey, darling, how are you? I'm like, baby doll? Darling, I don't even know. You don't do that in Missouri, okay? You barely look at each other in the eye. But, man, I mean, complete strangers call you baby doll and honey and darling. I'm like, man, I love Louisiana. If I start feeling bad about myself, I'm going to the Piggly Wiggly. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Food was different. The culture was different. Football's at a whole nother level here. I mean, tailgating, you guys. You blow the roof off of sports. And so, you know, there was culture shock when I moved from the Midwest down to the South. Culture is simply the customs, it's the social rules and the norms of a group of people. And you see how culture has evolved over the years. Culture kind of, it changes, you know, as you move forward. How many of you know that your parents' generation from, from, from the, your parents' generation to your generation is different. And then from your generation to your children's and your grandkids' generation is different. I mean, I remember pictures back in the day. If you wanted to, to take pictures, you had to drop off what's called a roll of film. Y'all remember that? Some of you millennials don't even have any clue as to what I'm talking about right now. You had to take the roll of film and you, you, would, you would drop it off at like Walmart or, 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 or Walgreens and you'd have to come back in a couple of days and then you'd get these pictures that were developed based on your roll of film and you put them in your photo albums. And then it went from roll of film to like Polaroids, you know, and you could have instant development. And you just... As I see it, oh, there it is. Now you've got cell phones that take amazing pictures. I mean, pictures and videos. And now you have social media platforms that post all of this stuff. You know, I thought about music. How many of you had records at your house? Oh, yeah, my dad had a whole collection of Andre Crouch records. And Jesus is the answer. 
for the world today. Uh, uh. Y'all don't know. How many of records are gone, but Jesus is still the answer? Come on. Records, and then it went to eight tracks, and then it was cassettes. Hey, remember, like, if you were going to record your favorite song off the radio, you had to press play and record at the exact same time. How many remembers that? Oh, yeah, don't mess up. Here's your bubble. Oh, I missed it. You know, and then it went from cassettes to CDs. CDs, remember how you had your, like this CD visor, all your favorite CDs right there in your visor. Some of you, you know, kind of packing that CD case, you know, in the trunk, disc changer, you know, and now it's digital. You can download whatever song you want, whatever you want to listen to, you just download it. Whether it's Beethoven, whether it's Backstreet Boys, or whether it's Baby Shark, come on somebody. <laughs> Baby Shark, do, 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 do. oh God, it's nuts. But when I talk about culture, I'm not talking about trends or style. What I'm talking about here, and here's what I want to dial in. I want to talk about how culture, it represents the spirit of this world. There is an overwhelming push in culture to rid our society of the things of God. Do you feel that? Do you sense that? To deconstruct the family to, to uh, eradicate biblical values, do you sense an increasing hostility against the people of faith? And you see it in every realm. I mean, you, you, you see it in government. You, you see it in. Um, you, you see it in education. Man, you, you just listen to our music and our watch our movies, and you see how godless that we've become. Uh, look at big tech. Uh, look at social media. It seems like so many things are changing and we're trying to push God out. I, I can see in our culture in this country, there's a riptide of selfishness and greed. Come on. And this lust and perversion and this wickedness. And some of you that are, that are having children and raising small kids, you carry concerns. What kind of world am I going to raise my son or my daughter in? You know, the Bible has a lot to say. God has something to say about culture. I remember watching a cartoon when I was young. And you remember how to have that individual and on one shoulder was this little angel and on the other shoulder was this little demon. And they were like whispering and trying to, you know, sway the individual. Listen, they don't whisper anymore. The devil's on a megaphone. Come on, somebody. He's as loud and as proud as he can be. And there is a battle in our culture today. And here's what God says. If you're taking notes, I want to give you three simple thoughts, okay? Three thoughts and a couple of scriptures to go along with this. Number one, you need to know this. Here's how do we respond as the body of Christ to an ever-increasing culture that's going against the things of God. Number one, God wants you to know this. You do not belong here. You don't belong here. You are in this world, but you're not of this world. For those of us who have said yes to Jesus... And we're going to see this. Watch what Jesus does here in John chapter 17. Jesus is praying to the Father, and he's praying for his disciples. Because Jesus knows he's about to leave this earth. And this is what he says to the Father in light of his disciples. Verse 14, he says, God, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. 
just as I don't belong to this world. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but I ask that you keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Can I have a good amen? You see, if you have the spirit of Christ in you, what is in you is directly opposite as the spirit that's in this world. This world culture has a spirit, but you and I have a different spirit. And Jesus said of his disciples, they don't belong to this world, and so the world hates them. Can I tell you this? If we're following Jesus, we will be hated by the world. Scripture says, James reminds us that friendship with the world is to be an enemy of God. So you sense this struggle, this tension. Man, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. I remember years ago, the very first missions trip I ever took. I was a missions pastor for five years. And I love being a chance, being, being, uh, having the chance to represent you and being an extension of your heart to so many different places on the globe. But the first missions crusade that I ever preached was in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is off the coast of India. And I remember I was gone for three weeks. It was 21 days, and we went through eight different countries. And there were different languages, different customs, uh, different dialects and cultures. The food was very different. I remember being in in Colombo, Sri Lanka, preaching this crusade. There were 30,000 people in a soccer stadium, and I needed not one but two interpreters. You had to have two translators because they spoke so many different languages. So I would say it in English. One translator would translate it into Tamil, and the other would translate it into Singalese. And by the time it wrapped around to me to say, something else again I'd forgotten what I said in the first place it was just weird it was tough it was different I remember when I got on a plane to come home and the plane landed in America we landed in Atlanta I wanted to kiss the ground oh it was so good to be back in the United States and we flew into Baton Rouge and Rachel met me at the airport she was eight months pregnant with Michaela and she was just large and in charge and she was waiting for her honka honka burning love And I ran over and I wrapped my arms around her. I said, baby, it's just so good to be home. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit whispered. He said, Mike, be careful what you call home. This world is not your home. This is not your final residence. Can I have a good amen? You ever feel like some moments you just like, you ever wonder what planet you're on? You ever feel like, man, I'm on, I must be on a different planet. Come on, talk to me. If you're unsettled and you're not comfortable here in this world, you're not supposed to be. Uh, Jesus said, you don't belong to this world. Man, you, you are in this world, but you're not of it. Does that make sense? Okay, I want to help to illustrate this. I want Jake, uh, Jake and Jeffrey to come out here real quickly. I want you to see it. Put your hands together and show your love for our missions pastor. <laughs> Jeff Rince, Jake's going to help him. Now, we're going to do this this virtual reality illustration, okay? Now, I am a child of the 80s, okay? I didn't grow up with virtual reality. I played Atari. Come on, how many remember Atari back in the day? Oh, yes, indeed. I'll take you in a game of Pac-Man, Donkey Kong. It is on. Come on, somebody. Now, Frogger, remember those days? Back, back in the simple days. Now it's kind of escalated. We have this virtual reality. What Jeff is wearing is a headset, 
And what we're going to do is we're going to transpose what he's seeing in that viewfinder. We're going to put it up on the screen, okay? Now, your kids maybe have done this. Maybe you've seen this. This is amazing. Technology has transformed video games. Now, Jeff, I know you spend a lot of time playing video games. You don't like to hunt or fish, and you don't like to mud ride, and, you know, but you just spend all of your time you know, playing video games. So this is going to be a stretch for Jeff. Okay, Jeff, we got it. Okay, look. Now this is what, oh, Jeff, you're making me dizzy. Making me dizzy. Okay, let, let's get, this is called, what's the name of this game again? Uh, walk the Plank. Walk the, this is, this is called Walk the Plank, okay? We're going to make Pastor Jeff walk the plank today. Okay, Jeff, here's what we got. I need to get you in this elevator. Do you, there it is. There's, there's the elevator. Okay, see, now turn, turn to your right. Turn a little, okay, see there, right there. Plank, go ahead and press that button right there. We're gonna take a little ride with Jeff, okay? We're gonna take a little ride with Jeff up the elevator, okay? Everything that Jeff's seeing, we're watching right here on the screen. Now, okay, there you go, there you go. Well, easy, easy, Jeff, easy. Slow down, just, just, just for a minute. Jeff, I want you to look all the way down. Look, look, look down, look down, keep going, keep going. Yeah, see that? See that right there? Jeff has to, I got you, Jeff. I'm holding you right here. <laughs> Jeff's goal is to get to the end of that plank because Jeff likes cake. Come on, somebody. How many of you are scared of heights? How many of you love cake? How many of you, your love for cake can cure you of your fear of heights? Okay, we're going to help Jeff. Jeff, walk out here and see. Now, look down. Get, get, now, don't, don't step off that little ledge. Look down there and let's see if we can get to that. How many thinks Jeff can reach the end? How many's got a lot of concern that Jeff might fall off the side? I'll tell you, there's not a lot of believers out here for you, Jeff, but I got your back. Mama believes. Mama's a believer. Come on, Jeff, there you go. Look, look down. Look, look, look. There, there you go. There it is. There it is right there. Right there. Reach it. <laughs> so Jeff's going to get to the very end. You're getting there. Okay, don't, st I can't even see where you're standing. There, there it is, there it is. You're right on top of that cake. You think you can reach down and get that, that cake? You're right there. Careful, easy, easy. There it is, there it is, there it is. You reach that, get you a little slice of that, Jeff. There you go. Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh my, oh my, what is, what is that? Oh, sweet Jesus. Jeff, let's get you, Jeff. <laughs> Don't fall off the plank, Jeff. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. There he goes. There he goes. Oh, wow. Okay, put your hands together, ladies and gentlemen, for our pastor. How many of you that freaked you out just a little bit? Okay, this is a perfect picture of being in the world but not of it. You see, Jeff created his own reality. It was based on what he could see. Some of you are living based on what you see. And the scripture says there is an unseen realm. Come on, somebody. That's why we live by faith and not by You're not walking based on what you see. If you react based on what you see alone, you're reacting to the wrong reality. You see, Jesus wants you to know, I have placed you on this earth, but I have positioned you in a heavenly realm. Are you catching this? Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2. He put it this way, for God 
raised us from the dead along with Christ Jesus. And he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Here's what happened. Jesus died. God raised him from the dead and now seated him at the right hand of the Father. Spiritually, when we say yes to Jesus, we die to our sinful nature. We die to the past. Come on, how many of you are thankful that the old man is dead? Bury him and put him in. We're dead to the sins of yesterday. We have been raised to new life. The scripture tells us the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, it dwells in you. So we died spiritually. We are raised spiritually. And now God has seated us in a heavenly realm. Here's what you need to know. You are placed on earth physically, but you are positioned in heaven spiritually. When it comes to culture, do not be discouraged. You don't belong here. Second thing, and you receive that today? Second thing, number two, you can be the exception. Here's what I mean by this. Because culture has a certain current. There's a tide that's pushing our communities in a certain direction. You can be the exception to that. Here's how God showed it to me. Remember when Moses delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, and the Bible says they started to make their way toward the promised land. Everybody say the promised land. See, God has a promise for you to walk in, and he's moving you that direction. Before they entered the promised land, Moses sent out 12 spies, one spy for each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they scouted out the land for 40 days. After that scouting trip, they came back and they brought a report to Moses. Ten spies said, no way. There's no way we can do this. There are giants in the land. We are grasshoppers. We don't have the ability to conquer them. Ten said, we can't. Two of them said, we can. We are well able. If God said it, then we believe it. Let's do it. Notice the ratio. Ten said no, two said yes. Ten said we can't, and guess what? They didn't. Two said we can, and they did. The Bible says in Numbers, in the book of Numbers, that an entire generation of Israelites had to die, and only two of that original group made it into the promised land. Who was it? Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says that Joshua and Caleb were the exception. Somebody say the exception. You see, you can be the exception. When you realize I'm in this world, but I'm not of it, then it gives you what you need to move forward in the face of opposition. Because 10 are going to say you can't. You need to be a part of the two that says we can. If God said it, then we can do it. You see, listen, watch this. Everybody wants to be exceptional, but nobody wants to be the exception. Are you catching that? How many of you, you teach your children that they are exceptional? Hey, listen, I tell my kids, you are different in order to make a difference. You don't walk like, act like, talk like, think like, do like everybody else. Oh, I know they're teaching you that at your school, but God's word says something different. You got a different spirit about you. Oh, I know they're saying this on TV. Oh, I know social media and political pundits are trying to create a narrative. But what does God's word say? 
I tell my kids, in, in fact, we have a family text, a group text in our family. I know many of you probably have the same. And you know how you can label your, your group text? You can give it a name. Well, I've given ours a name, and I call it the resistance. You're like, Pastor, we didn't know you were so rebellious. Oh, yes, indeed. I rebel against the things of this world. It's not going to hold me down. We are resisting the spirit of the world and the message that's being pumped in culture. I, I challenge my kids. I say, you question everything that you hear. Challenge every, whatever you see on TV. If you watch it in a movie, let me tell you this. If Hollywood endorses it, I'm probably against it. And if Hollywood's against something, I'm probably for it. You say, Mike, that's not real popular. Guess what? Christianity is not a popularity contest. I didn't get in this thing to become famous. I got in this thing to make Jesus famous. Come, come on, somebody. I'm okay with being hated on. I'm okay. Man, they can try to cancel me. You think cancel culture is new to us? No way. 2,000 years ago, they tried to nail our Savior to a tree. They wanted to kill him and cancel his message. Guess what? Jesus is alive and the message is still moving forward. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Now, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be cocky. I just know I have a different spirit inside of me. And so I'm okay to go against the flow. Everybody trying to go with the flow. Oh, don't rock the boat. Oh, be politically correct. I don't care about politics. I want to be biblically correct. You might be canceled. If you don't conform, we're going to cancel you. Cancel me. You think I'm going to lose any sleep over being canceled? Every one of the disciples, they were canceled. They died a martyr's death except for John. Every, and they tried to kill him too. They, they, they exiled him to Patmos and tried to boil him in this hot oil, and they just couldn't kill him. They couldn't kill him. They didn't know what to do with him, so they just put him on that island. And guess what? On that island, he got revelations of the future. We're different in order to make a difference. But being the exception will require you to go opposite of what the world says. God has a promise land for you. And if he says it, he'll do it. Don't forfeit the promised land because you've bought the lies of culture. Did you hear me? You see, those, an entire generation died before they entered the promised land because they believed the lies around them. If God speaks something to you, and this is why we have to have a biblical worldview. This is how you got to know what this book says. If we're going to say what God says about, you got to get in this book and know it for yourself. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Don't let him lie to you or lie to your children. Teach your children to stand up for truth in the midst of everything that's going down the pipe, whether it's music or movies or what's being taught in our educational system. You and I have a responsibility to prepare our kids. The Bible says this in Romans 12 too. Paul said, don't be conformed. Everybody say conformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Somebody say transformed. 
by the renewing of your minds, then you will prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The word conform means to be patterned or to be shaped after the behavior of another. But the word transform means to become something different. The world will try to shape you to think like they think, to act like they act, to speak like they speak. Do not be conformed or shaped by the culture that's in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Transformation, changed from the inside out. You think different thoughts when you're in Christ. You speak different words, man, when you're walking with Jesus. You respond in different ways. You know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, you'll never know God's will if you're, being, if you're copying the behaviors of this world. The word transform is where we get the word metamorphosis. You know what that word means? It means to change. Almost like a, a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. How many knows that's a beautiful thing? There's something, there's a cocoon, that, that, and then in that cocoon, in the hiddenness of that cocoon, some of you, God has you in a cocoon right now, and then there's, there, he's changing. The world didn't see it. The world doesn't know about it. You feel pressured by it, but there's coming a time when you'll come out of that cocoon, and you won't be the caterpillar you once were. You'll be a butterfly. Let me tell you this. Sometimes only a butterfly can tell a caterpillar it's going to get better. You catch that? It's going to get better. I've been there. The butterfly says to the caterpillar, I've been where you are. Take it from me. It's going to get better. Listen, number one, you don't belong here. Number two, you're the exception. And finally, number three, and I want to ask the band to come out. You will make a difference. You will make a difference. HPC is all about making disciples that make a difference making disciples. I want you to be equipped. If you call Healing Place Church your spiritual family, if we are your pastors, I want to make sure you have the tools that you need to make a difference in a culture that's hostile to Christianity, in a society that is moving toward anti-God. Now, now I say all that, and that's not gloom and doom. Hear my heart. Let, let, me, let me pastor you for the next couple of minutes, and then I want to pray over you. I want you to hear this. My heart is filled with so much hope. Never before in the history of this country have we been poised for a revival than right now. I believe no greater time in history for God to pour out his spirit upon this nation than today. And who is he going to use to do it? Us. Why? We don't belong here. We're in this world. We're not of it. And guess what? We're committed to being the exception. I believe this is an exceptional church. And the way that you walk is the exception to what culture does and says. So, so how do we combat culture? How do we impact? How do we make a difference? You know what? We live the truth. We live it. We don't just know it. And we don't just speak it but we live the truth. We're the example. Some people may never come to church. Guess what? You bring in church to them. When you go to the office on Monday, when you're at your school on Tuesday, when you're at that practice or at that PTA meeting, what are you doing? You're living the truth in front of them. 
when I talk about the resistance, I'm not talking about we got to hide and hunker down and disconnect from the world. I'm not talking about forming our own little commune. Come on, that, that gets a little cultish, does it not? Where nobody's drinking any Kool-Aid, you know, man, we're not. Uh, listen, we are in this world. We're, 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 though we're not of this world, we're in this world. You can't avoid culture. If you want to change culture, you can't avoid the culture God's called you to change. You know what you got to do? You got to engage. Now, here's how we engage. Not only do we live the truth, but watch this. We've got to treat others with kindness. Let me say, let, let, let me say this right here. I feel so strongly about this because I see such hate and meanness and rudeness among Christians. <sighs> oh, please. It's exhausting. And sometimes social media amplifies this stuff. And, 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 and racial and social unrest and, and politics. And then you're jumping on a, a social media platform and everybody's blasting somebody. You know, you know I, I'm still trying to find the scripture in the Bible that says if your brother offends you, blast him on social media. I can't find that one. You say, but Mike, what about the cause? Man, we're, we're fighting. There's a battle to fight. Listen, your enemy is not flesh and blood. Some of you putting too much energy toward the wrong enemy. See, the devil's sitting back laughing at the church because he's got us fighting each other. We've made his job a whole lot easier. It's not the devil, it's us. Listen, you got to bring some kindness into the equation. Uh, here's what I mean. Some of you, you, you have a cause that you feel so committed to. And you're so committed to the cause that you're willing to treat others with a lot of unkindness. Say, Mike, what if I'm nice to my opponent? Does that mean that I'm less committed to my cause? No. Let me say this. Be strong in conviction and be kind in spirit. You can do both. You can be kind and gracious to people that you don't agree with, to those that are in darkness, to those that think differently than you do. Be gracious in spirit and yet be, be, be strong in conviction. I'm not backing down in my commitment to the things of God, but I'm going to be gracious in how I talk to people. You see, kindness without conviction will ruin people. Conviction without kindness will destroy people. You see that? Treat people with kindness. And let me finish. Here, here's how I want to finish today, okay? How do you, how do you make a difference? I'm going to give you this last thought. Now, this last thought, <laughs> you're not going to like. Okay, I'm breaking all the rules of, of, of communication and how I'm ending this message, okay? They didn't teach me this in Bible college, all right? <laughs> I didn't go to Bible college, but <laughs> I'm totally ending this message the wrong way, okay? Totally. But I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this. You got to be ready to suffer. You got to be ready to suffer. Okay, now I know that's not the rah rah sis boom ba happy clappy sing song sappy. I know it's not. But I want to tell you the truth as your pastor. When you live in a culture that's hostile toward the things of God, anti God, anti Christ, the spirit of antichrist is already in the earth today. I don't know if the antichrist is born, but the spirit of antichrist, the stage is already being set. 
you gotta be ready to suffer in an environment like this. You remember during the Babylonian captivity, remember the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many remember that story? VeggieTales calls them Rack, Shack, and Benny. Y'all, if you grew up on VeggieTales, I'm talking about Rack, Shack, and Benny. These, these are three Hebrew boys that, that honored God, but they were in captivity in Babylon. And the king built a statue so tall, and he said, Any, this is the decree of the king. Anytime the music begins to play, when you hear the sound of that music, you better bow to that statue. These boys had been taught better. They knew that they didn't bow to anything or anyone except God himself. You see, we live in Babylon today. The world is telling you to bow down. Listen, your allegiance and your loyalty is to one, Jesus and Jesus alone. And here's the consequence. If you don't bow, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And guess what? The music played and those boys, they didn't bend and they didn't bow. I'm praying that God will give you kids that don't bend and don't bow. Praying that God will put a spirit inside of you that will stand up. I want you to be a stand-up Christian in a bow-down world. Music playing. They're standing up straight. And the king says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody defies me. I'm fixing to cancel you. Come on. Bring them to the fiery furnace. And they threw these boys into the fire. And the Bible says in Daniel 3, verse 25, the king says, whoa, wait a second. Look at this. He says, I see four men loosed and they're walking in the midst of the fire. They're not even hurt. And guess what? That fourth one, he looks like the son of God. Now watch this, watch this. Here's the thing, you're gonna go through some fire. When did the king recognize the presence of God? Somebody had to go through the fire. Here's what's going to happen in this pagan culture. You're going to go through fire at your workplace. You're going to go through some fire in your family. You're going to walk through some difficulty, but in that moment, God will be revealed to a lost and dying world. Are you willing to walk through the fire so that somebody else can see Jesus? Jesus walked through the fire so that we could see God. Lord, if I got to go through hard times, may the presence of Jesus be seen in me so that you can be revealed to a lost and dying world. Do you receive that today? Come on, church, put your hands together. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.